Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. I'm going to note God's ways are not our ways. Let's just be honest. Sometimes it's hard to understand what he's doing, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to understand what he's doing in your life, where he's taking you. Sometimes it's hard to make sense out of life itself. When you add in the wrinkle that God does things very different than what we do things, it just really makes it complicated, doesn't it? You see, in, in God's way of thinking, you, you give to get, you die to live, you're de- you decrease so that he might increase you, you, you do things opposite with God. It's, it's not the way that we would do things. We would think that we want to get more than we need to go get more. But, but in the kingdom of God, if you want to get more, you've got to give more. And, and if, if you want to really live, you've you got to die. If you really want to go someplace, you've got to follow. That's the way it works in the kingdom of God. And, and do you know that with God... He also works on a different timetable. How many have noticed that? His timetable is not your timetable. The Bible says that his ways are not our ways, and his ways are above them. They're past finding out. He's got a time difference than you and I. In fact, Scripture tells us that his relativity to time is different than ours. There's a scripture that says that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. I think where we've gone wrong is we have thought that that is some kind of a mathematical equation, that that one day equals a thousand years, or that a thousand years equals a day, but but that's not really what that means. It's kind of like you or I saying a six of one, half dozen of another. It doesn't make any difference. And if you don't understand God in his ways, you become frustrated with him because you think he operates on your timetable, and he doesn't. He has his own timetable. In fact, the reality is that because time is constrictive, God doesn't operate in time. You and I see the passing of time and and, and, you know, seconds turn into minutes and minutes into hours and hours into days and days, weeks, months, years, centuries, and on and on. But with God, there is no passing of time. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That was more than just trying to tell you and I that he doesn't change. It's trying to tell us that, that he can do the same thing in your yesterday that he can do in your tomorrow or in your today. He's, he's not confined to time. How many of you are getting this so far? This morning we're talking about the power of the prophetic. But we've got to understand something with God in time. We've got to understand something that God is not confined to this moment. He is an always a right now God. When he sent Moses to go in to talk to Pharaoh, Moses asked him a question. Who do I say sent me? And God told Moses, tell him the great I am sent you. 
because he will never be the great I was or the great I will be because for that to happen in his life, then there has to be the passage of time with him. And with him, there is no passing of time. He always was and always will be because he's always in the right now. I understand this sounds like Star Trek episode, and it, but you've got to understand or at least take that for the, what it's worth. He's, he's always in the right now. Trust me, this will make sense before we're done this morning. More than makes sense, it can impact you. In your Bibles, if you turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 2. In Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 10, it says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. Turn to the person next to you and say, God's talking to you. We. We are his workmanship. We, we can, we, we can kind of get our head around that. We understand that he's working on us. And how many know he's still working on us? He, he hasn't quit. He's still trying to make progress with us. But, but he has destined you for something great. And it says here that we've been created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained. Before ordained. Before. That word before is important here. Before. Before what? When did he before ordain us to good works? Sometimes if you're like me, you look at your life and you maybe you have issues and you wonder, are you ever going to get over them? Anybody ever felt like that? You wonder, you know, am I ever going to get this right? You keep making the same mistake over and over again, and, and you keep making the same decision, and it keeps turning out to be the same train wreck, and you wonder if God's ever going to have you in a place where he can use you in, a, in, a, in some con, a valuable way. But, but the Scripture says that he hath before ordained us. Before, Jeremiah chapter 1 and 5 says this. Ready? God said, before, everybody say before. God said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before. He didn't start to know you when you started to form in your mother's womb. Before that, he knew you. Now listen, this is, this is some stuff. There's no way for me to start at breadcrumbs and get into meat today. Okay? I'm slicing the meat as small as I can slice it. But, we, but to get to where God wants us to go today, we got to just start in the meat. Before... You were formed in your mother's womb. 
God already made decisions about your life. Before, that word know, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. That word is an intimate word. It means I know you. I I more than know your name. I have a plan for you. And Ephesians tells us not only does he have a plan for you, he ordained it to come to pass. It was as good as finished. Revelation, book of Revelation has a verse that says this, that Jesus Christ was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. Before Genesis 1 and 1 happened, Jesus was already dead. Settled in heaven. The plan was put into place. It was already determined before God ever stepped out of nowhere into nothing and created the universe. It was already determined that Jesus would be created, come to this earth, Die for yours and my sins. This is more than just a knowledge lesson. God wants to impart an incredible truth to you this morning. The power of the prophetic. When you understand that before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. If you understand that before Jesus, before this earth was ever created, Jesus was already determined to have to die for our sin. When you know that God has already before ordained that you're going to make it, it changes everything. There was a time when Jesus, and you've heard me say it before, Jesus and the disciples and the boat, you know, they, they were a challenge. They never had a good experience with Jesus in a boat. Go ahead and look it up. It never turned out well because they never learned the boat message. And so one of the last times that Jesus and the disciples interact with a boat, they just just fed thousands, and he tells them, now listen, guys, you you get into that boat, and you're going to see them. No, not another boat, not another boat, please. Not another boat. The last time with a storm, the time before that, we got flooded with fish. The time before, please, not another boat. A boat. A boat. You didn't learn the boat story the other three times. You're going to learn it this time. I want you to get into that boat and go to the other side. And they said, you're not even going with us? No. You get into that boat. You go to the other side. I will meet you there. So they got into the boat and they started to cross. And he went up into a mountain to pray. And they got partway across. And somewhere in the the traversing of that lake, a storm blew up. They thought they were going to die. And in the midst of all their toiling, they look on the water and they see Jesus walking. And the Bible says it looks like he's going to walk right past them. I mean, they are in the boat, feeling like they're about to die. And he's like, you ever felt, you ever been there with God? 
Come on now, be real for a moment. You ever been to that place with God where you're like, what are you doing? Come on, anybody? Don't you care? Don't you know how I'm hurting? Don't you understand what's going on in my life? How can you just sit idly by as if nothing's wrong and see me in all of my struggles? In fact, not only do you see me in all of my struggles, the last time I went through a tough time, you were there with me. Now you're not even with me anymore. God, where are you? You ever been there? If you haven't, hold on, because it's coming. Until you learn the boat story. And so it, the Bible says that it looked like to them that he was just going to pass by on the... And they yelled out to him. Here's what they never understood. When he said, you get into that boat and go to the other side, he ordained them to make it. He set an appointment with them that necessitated that both he and them make it to the other side. Are you with me so far? He said, John, I'm going to meet you over there. You know what it's also saying? You're going to make it, John, because God can't lie. He can't say to John, I'll meet you on the other side if John doesn't make it. You are his workmanship. It's already ordained in God that you make it. Are you getting this? He rose from the grave and he said to his disciples, you believe in God? Do you? Do you believe in God? Then believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Are you getting it? You know what he just did? He set a divine appointment. He wanted them to know something. You're going to make it. It may be bumpy. It may get ugly at times. But you're going to make it. His name is written across your heart. You belong to him. He's never lost a one. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I've never seen that happen. Somebody in right standing with God is going to make it. If you're here this morning and you've given your life to him, you need to walk in this assurance. You're going to make it. You don't quit. If you don't back off, if you don't tell God, get out of my life, you're going to make it. And that fear that you've been operating in needs to be broken today in Jesus' name. Because fear hath torment. I don't know if I'm going to make it, Pastor. I don't know. I don't know. You're his. You're going to make it. You're going to finish this because you're his workmanship. Before you were in your mother's womb, he ordained you unto good works. I know that's hard to grasp. Let me show something. Come here, John. I'm surprised you still sit up front. You know that? 
Go sit in the chair. But don't get comfortable. You're about done. That chair represents where God wants to take John. John knows that he walks in power. John knows that he has a relationship with God. John knows that his his destiny is sealed in the Lord. John knows that God speaks to him. He knows the Lord's voice. And another he will not follow. John knows that he's more than a conqueror. John knows that he is greater is he that is in John than he that is in the world. John knows that everything works together for the good to them that love God, who are called according to his purpose. John knows that he overcomes the wicked one by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of his testimony. And he doesn't like it like his life unto death. He doesn't love his life unto death. John knows that. He's, he's, he's sealed. He's finished. There's nothing can stop John now. He knows it in his heart, but guess what? That's not where John is right now. John's back here somewhere. We'll sit back in the last two or three chairs if you would. John's back there in life. Listen to me for a moment. These chairs represent where you're at somewhere in your life and you walk with God. All of these chairs, here's the problem with them. They all look back. The only thing you can see is where you've been. Are you with me? When God talks to you and I, He talks to us from right here. We only see where we've been. God sees where we're going. And with Him there is no time. He relates to you. He speaks to those things which are not as though they were. He speaks and deals with you fully expecting one day you're going to be right there. Are you with me? And he wants you to trust him that you're going to end up right there. It's been ordained of God that you end up right there. But you're not there right now. You're back here. And if you don't learn this, you stay here a long time. But if you learn this, you get a loop move. And so John sits here and he says, you know, I went through the MIP program. My, my wife and I studied to be ministers. I don't know why I'm, I'm not a pastor. I'm, God, why would this happen to me? Why, why am I in this situation? Why am, I, why am I not getting an opportunity? Why? And I want to tell you, as long as you have a why for God, you don't understand God. Everything works together for the good to them that love God, to them that are called according to this purpose. Everything. The why is a given. For your good always, the Scripture says. And the sooner you can go from why to what, the sooner you get out of that chair. When John quits saying, God, why doesn't anybody notice my talent? Why isn't anybody giving me an opportunity? When John understands he's destined and ordained of God to that finished place, he quits asking God why, and he says, God, what am I supposed to learn from this? And John learns it, so God gets him up and moves into the next chair. 
John and Pam hit a rough spot in their marriage. I know that doesn't happen to marriages today, but it happened to John and Pam one time. It only lasted like seven minutes, but it, it happened, okay? And John takes on the Molly Grubs. Why did I marry her? Why is she so mean? Why is she bad? Why couldn't I marry so-and-so? Why, why does it have to be this way? Why can't she treat me right? Why, 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 whine, 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 whine? You little whiner, John. And so your next thing you know, John will start getting mad at Pam because she's not the wife that he deserves. He could have done better than Pam. And no offense, Pam, but hey, the truth needs to get out. And um, he could have done better. But, but, no, 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 John understands something. John understands there's a place waiting for him. And the sooner that he learns this lesson, the closer he gets to there. So he gets up in the morning, and, and Pam's still mean. Everybody go, ooh, ooh. Pam is still mean. But that doesn't matter to John, because John knows that everything works together for the good. Somebody would say, well, I don't know if this is God's will that I married her. Hey, the moment you said yes, it became God's will. It's irrelevant up to that point. Now the only thing that's relevant is you're committed. John's no longer saying, man, I wish I had a different wife. She's nasty, she's mean, she's horrible, she can't cook, she's lazy, she likes cats. I don't like cats. Okay? John's not saying that anymore. John is getting up in the morning knowing that everything works together for the good, and John says, God, thank you for my wife. She's perfect for me. You're teaching me things through my relationship with him, with her. And, and God, she is exactly what I needed. What can I do, God, to love her more? What can I do to better serve her? God, take this anger out of my heart. It shouldn't be there. God says, John, you're getting this. Come on, buddy. Come on. That's awesome. And all of a sudden, after just a... John gets it, and, and after a while, guess what? There's a transformation that takes place. Pam ain't nasty anymore. She might change. She might not. But it doesn't matter anymore. Because John's on his way to a destiny, and... And, and, and so that's just a part of the trip. So now John's sitting here and he's having financial troubles. And God, I don't understand. I pay my tithes. I don't understand what's going on. And But if you don't get this, you're going to stick here a while. I'm going to keep putting you back in this mess and back in this mess and back in this mess like the disciples in the boat until you get it. And each time I put you in the boat, it gets worse. Check it out. Every time he interacted with the disciples in the boat, every time it got worse and worse, and worse, and worse. And he got, he, he, first time, he let him struggle. Second time, he fell asleep. Third time, he's not even in the boat. And John says, you know what, John? I didn't give my money to you to get anything back. I gave to you because I love you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live on whatever you give me to live. And I, if I need to cut back, tell me where I need to cut back. What? I don't need cable TV? Okay, I'll get rid of cable TV. 
You can't live without it, folks. You mean I can't go to the movie every Friday night? Well, then I, I guess I won't go to the movie every Friday night. God, what else do you want to speak to my heart? And God said, John, you get this, don't you? Come on, John. we got another spot for you. That stinking pastor. He, he just doesn't recognize what a gift I am, okay? He doesn't understand he needs to use me more. He rarely ever gives me an opportunity. He doesn't pay me enough for what I do. Okay, I'd do more if he'd pay me more. And God said, you, 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 don't, you don't understand. If he paid you to do ministry, you're nothing more than a hireling, and you're worthless to the kingdom of God. So John says, you know what? I, yeah, I didn't get into this for the money. I got into this because I love you, God, and I want to be used to you. And so, you know what, Lord? It doesn't matter. Now that I think about it, wow, you called me. And that man recognized your calling in my life, and he's, he's helping me by financially so that I can fulfill my calling. He's not an ogre. He's, not, he, he's okay. I said, come on, John. I'm making something good out of you. Come on up here. You know, God, I go to preach, and some guy does a turn the ringer off on his phone. How rude. <laughs> People don't listen. My wife wasn't even there when I preached. It's, it's like nobody cares. I, I rarely ever hear anybody say, good job, John. And You know, what's up with that, God? And God says, are you here for the praise of men? Or are you here because I called you? I'm just funny with you. Are you here because I called you? I guess my attitude's wrong, God. I'm, I'm supposed to. I, I, I'm not supposed to care whether I get any praise from them. I, I need to. And see, the only thing that John sees, get ready, is where he's been. And every one of these stops initially was painful. It was painful to learn this lesson. It was painful to deal with Pam. It was painful the way pastor treated him. It was painful, this financial situation. It was painful. Every stop was painful. And if all John sees is where he's been, he thinks his life is a life of pain. Are you ready? Why does God speak prophetically into our life? When God speaks prophetically into your life, he knows that you're getting tired of looking backwards. So he has you stand up for a moment. Go ahead and stand up, John. Turn this way. And you're reading your word one day, and all of a sudden it jumps off the page at you. You walk into church one day, and somebody grabs you and says, listen, I was praying for you, and God gave me a word for you. You go to a conference, and somebody you don't even know speaks into your life. And it's God saying, John, come on. Look, look what I've got for you. Keep at it. You're going to get here, man. You're going to make it. I have prepared a place for you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. And I'm never going to give up on you. 
You stay in your seats too long, but I want to tell you, I won't quit on you until you get there. And he will perform it, the Bible says, until the day of Jesus Christ. And, and when you get that word from somebody, when, when somebody connects with you in a moment, in an altar service, in a hallway, on the phone, through a text message, an email, and God has spoken something into your heart, for a moment he gets you to stand up and look forward to where you're going. And then John says, he sits down in this seat, and he says, Lord, what do you want me to learn today? What have you got for me today? All of a sudden, the people at his work are nasty. They're not treating him right. They're not honoring him. They're not paying him what he's worth. But you know what? That doesn't affect John. He got a glimpse of where he's headed, okay? And this situation is nothing more than a step to the next and a step to the end. And he sees that as such. When that person blows into their life and, and they're being mean and, and you want to push back and you say, wait, well, hey, I didn't deserve this. He, you don't do that anymore. Because you know now they're a lesson on legs. You think you just have a bad neighbor. No, 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 no. You have a lesson on legs. You think you just have a bad marriage. No. You've got a lesson on legs that sleeps in the same bed you sleep in. Okay, you think you have financial problems. No, 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 no. You have a lesson on legs. You think the lawyer is a problem. No, no, no. The lawyer is a lesson on legs. You think that that, that, that ache in your side is, is a bad thing. Come on, no, that's a lesson on legs. Because you see, John will never be able to pray for somebody to get healed unless he knows what it's like to get healed himself. He'll never be able to talk to people going through struggling marriages unless he goes through a struggling marriage. He'll never be able to preach to somebody about financial blessings of God unless he's gone through it and found God faithful. The power of the prophetic. It's that moment in time when God tells you, I've got a place for you, and I'm working on you. Quit bucking against me. Trust and obey. Because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And now John sits down in every station in life with purpose. It's an adventure. It's an adventure he's going to win. Because God has before he was ever formed in his mother's womb ordained him unto good works. Can any of you relate to any of these? Anybody who feels the need to get in a chair to get prayer, go ahead and get in a chair right now. You're stuck somewhere in your life in a place you can't get out of. You seem like you just keep going around and around in the same place. I want you to get out and get in the chair right now. It's always that first one. There's at least ten of you that are just waiting. Okay? But you're, thank you, you're stuck in a rut. You, spiritually, you just keep going around and around in circles and you can't get past something. There's, there, there's some people in here that your, your problem, that you're, you're like that hamster in a cage. You, you thought, well, I just run faster, I'll get somewhere. I just run longer, I'll wear this thing out. And you just keep running and running and running, and you don't move. 
And, and somebody here this morning, part of your issue is you just keep asking God, why did this happen to me? Listen, I want to tell you with as much love as I can possibly communicate to you. I'm sorry. What happened to you? Get over it. They made you a victim once. You've made yourself a victim a thousand times. Forgive them. Why do bad things keep happening to me? Because the greatest gift you can learn to do is to forgive. You are never more like God than when you forgive somebody who doesn't deserve to be forgiven. And so maybe you're stuck in that rut because you just won't forgive. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. I can't go back and undo it. And neither can they, and neither can you. We, we, we say here that this is where your past has no future and hope is reborn. That starts when you forgive. And until and unless you forgive, my friend, you will be playing musical chairs with God all of your life. And one hurt that you don't forgive will attract a second hurt that will attract a third hurt that will attract a fourth hurt. And the only way to stop it is to forgive the first person. And so he says, guys, let me borrow your boat for a minute, and when I'm done, I'll, I'll give it back to you. And so he stood in the boat, and he preached to the people on the shore, and then he said, I know you've been fishing here, but cast out... And they caught so many fish, it almost turned the boat over, but they didn't learn the lesson. So the next boat, he said, hey, guys, let's get in the boat. Let's, let's take a trip. He goes to the bow of the boat, and he goes to sleep. He's close, but he ain't paying attention. And the storm comes up. And they come to him, and they say, hey, master, don't you care that we perish? He wakes up. He says, oh, you have little faith. And in his mind, he says, next time, I'm not even going to be in the boat. And so the next time, he's not in the boat, and he looks like he's going to walk by on the other side. We need another example. The child had just died. So he spoke life back into her, and they said, she only fainted. I see where you're going with this. The next one, the boy is in the casket, and the widow of Nain is following the casket down the road. It's been more than a few hours. It's the end of the first day of death. And he stops the casket, and he calls the young man out and gives the young man back to his mom. And those in the crowd have said, boy, we've got to be more careful when we put him in the box. They're not dead yet. And he says, I, I see where you people are going with this. 
Master, Master, you've got to come. Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. I ain't going. I've got to keep, they've got to learn this lesson. And he stays for days and finally says, all right, let's go now. He walks to the house and shows up and they say to him, Master, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. I can almost keep Jesus saying, yes, and you wouldn't learn the lesson. So that's why I wasn't here. Before we pray for these, there's more people that need to be sitting in a chair right now. Now's your chance. Now's your chance. You don't want to go around and around and around anymore. Now's your chance. Now's your chance. Mike, if you give me some music, the rest of you would, if you gather around these, and would you just begin to pray? I, I need the leadership team to help me as well. Just, just begin to pray for these, that, that God's will be accomplished, that they be released from where they're at. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. And God, I, I pray for these. I pray for these, God. There, there's... There's two people in this line, God, they need to forgive. They need to forgive, Father. Right now, right now, Father, I release your spirit of forgiveness upon them. I release your spirit of forgiveness on them now in Jesus' name. God, right now, help them to find the love in their heart to forgive. This isn't about the person deserving forgiveness. It's about them needing to forgive. Father, right now, right now, I pray for them to have the ability to forgive in Jesus' name. God, I pray for that one that is, 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 has been caught in the trap. Why, God? Why did this happen to me? Why was I done this way? Why am I being treated this way? And Father, we come against that spirit of why and we release into them this truth that everything works together for the good. Father, I pray for them now that they have the courage to ask you what, Father? What is it I'm supposed to learn? What is it I'm supposed to know? What is it that's hindering me from my next step up, God? You have ordained me to be something greater than I am right now. What do I need to know, God, to move to the next step? Holy Spirit, have your way. Father, you see... You see into my future. I can only see into my past. Speak into hearts right now, Father. Speak into hearts right now, God. Your your will for lives. More than the ordering of footsteps, God. Place before some people now a prophetic word in their spirit, God. The destiny you have for them. Holy Ghost, have your way. Holy Ghost, have your way. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Keep praying, church. This is more than just a, a formality. This is a, a real change in people's lives. Father, we break all strongholds. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Have your way. God, none of these people want to be stuck. God, you said in your word that the anointing, the Spirit of God was upon you. For he has anointed you to set at liberty them that are bruised. There are people here in this line, God, their bruises put them in, in bondage, God. And I just pray now for a release, God. I pray for a release in their life. Holy Spirit, have your way. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Now, those of you that are sitting in the pews, would you put your hand on the shoulder of somebody near you right now? Would you just pray for them? Would you just pray for them wherever they're at in life? Father, every one of us has fallen short, God. God, you have a will for us. You have a will. You have a will, God, a desire, a destiny. I pray for that now, Father, a release of that in Jesus' name. God, we pray for every sickness in the building. We take authority over it. Pray for financial miracles. Holy Spirit, have your way. Those of you that are sitting in the chairs, would you stand up now and turn this way? Look at me for a moment. You may be stuck where you're at, but you are not permanently stuck where you're at. Look at me for a moment. Jesus said this, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. That's a good word. You need to know something. You need to know. From Tracy in front to in back. Russell. I keep wanting to say Darren, and it didn't fit. You need to know something. When God said that, he said a divine appointment. No matter what storm you're in right now, quit rowing so hard. It didn't help them. It ain't going to help you. <laughs> trust him. Just trust him. You have a divine appointment set by God. God himself. And one day, he said, where I am and I will receive you unto myself. You know what that means? He's going to stand in front of you, look in the eye and say, See, I told you I'd get you here. You made it home. You made it. It got ugly there for a while. But look at dude. You're home. I'm receiving you unto myself. He takes your problems personally. And when, the, when, when, when you don't feel like he's near, know this. It's because he wants you to learn this. I'm going to embarrass you, JJ. Come here. This may surprise you, but J.J. can walk by himself. There was a time in his life when we did this because he couldn't walk by himself. And so what did we do as parents? You hate me for this, don't you? Turn this way. 
when it looked like maybe he could handle it, what did we do? And he walked. Now, we don't do that much anymore, okay? I don't get the other in the living room on my knees. Come on. Because he's learned to walk. When God separates himself from you, it's because it's time for you to move forward. Tracy, walk forward. (laughs) Now, Tracy, walk forward. When God backs off, he's making room for your growth. Enemy wants to tell you it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. You have been ordained to walk into good works. For you to walk into good works, he's got to give you room to walk into good works. So when God starts backing off, you have a choice to make. You believe the enemy that says, God doesn't love you, he doesn't care. This is not going to turn out well. Or you can say, God's backing off. He's making room for me because everything works together for the good. I remember what pastor preached. It was right out of the word. I'm getting ready to grow some more. And then when God backs off, you can make some room. And you can come this way. Come this way. You can make some room and he'll fellowship with you and he'll love on you. And, 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 and then he'll say, now listen, there's something we got to learn in this spot right here. You've you got to this or you got to that. And, and you can say, why me, God? Why? We were doing so good. I was making progress. Now you stopped me. I stopped you because I got that for you. Oh, it's good. And you say, God, I used to sing, and I used to be so anointed, and people get, used to get so touched, and now it doesn't seem like God said, you wait till we get done. You wait till we get done. I need you to learn something here. Trust me. I need you to learn this. I know it hurts. I feel your pain. I know it hurts. But trust me. This is going to work out okay. Now God says, do you trust me? Here's what needs. Here's what I see in your heart. Because that's the only thing I'm looking at. Here's what I see needs to go away. And you can argue with God and you can fuss God and you can blame Mark and the pastor and John and Pam and, and the economy and the other pastor and the other denomination. Or you can say, okay, God. And God says, you're getting this. Come on, come on. And she says, where'd God go? Song of Solomon, she wakes up. She can tell that her beloved used to be there, or her lover used to be there, but now he's gone. And she gets up and she goes after him. And he says, and she says, oh, look, I'm growing. This is great. God, aren't you wonderful? Everything's great. Hold on a minute. Let's, let's talk about something else. She will get frustrated if she thinks at every stop is an attack of the enemy. But when she knows that God chastens them whom he loves. I stopped you, Tracy, not because you're bad, because I love you. Oh, let's take another look at what I got for you. Isn't that going to be awesome? That's going to be incredible. I put this in your heart when you were a little girl. You know what I'm talking about. I put that in you when you were a little girl. I wasn't playing with you. We're going to get there. Now, here's the next step. Can we talk about this now? Can we deal with this? 
That person that's irritating you right now, I, I put them into your life to irritate you so that we could talk about this. Is this making sense, folks? And Tracy can get mad at the person that God sent into her life to irritate her, or, he, or she can say, you know what, everything works together for the good to them love God, and I love you, God, so what am I supposed to learn by this irritating person? Here's what you need to learn. And she says, okay, God, I got that. Really? Bring them here. I'm going to see. They irritate you. And you go, bless you. Bless you. I sure love you. I thank God for you in my life. <laughs> and God says, isn't Tracy incredible? This is awesome. This is, come on up, Tracy. I got more for you. And Hey, did you notice how close we're getting? This is great. This is awesome. Folks, that's either the way it is or it isn't. Amen? And every one of you, when this gets finished, he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, your mortality will put on immortality. Whatever isn't finished until the day that you pass on, God in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, finishes up. Amen? Slip your hand up and thank God for his truth this morning. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.